0: All right, welcome back into the Nick Bob podcast. I am taping this. It is about 1130 in the morning. It is Monday, February 27th, and basketball is on my brain, so basketball is what is on the podcast. Going to talk a little Creighton, going to talk a little Nebraska, and get you on your merry way. Uh, uh, Let's start with the Blue Jays. So, you know, you always got to balance the big picture with the immediate Uh, moment when going through the course of a college basketball season for instance in hindsight now the freak out in December for Creighton seems silly now doesn't it but in the moment losing six in a row struggling it felt completely warranted to be concerned for Creighton just like even on the flip side to the team 50 miles down the road from Creighton in Nebraska, Nebraska's had moments where you likely smash the panic button. Oh my God, season's over. Blow it Oh boy. I mean, at one point, what Nebraska lost six of seven games in conference play. They had injuries to season-ending injuries to two starters, and you were thinking, uh-oh, code red. But now, Nebraska's pulled out of that tailspin, and they've won five of their last six games and got a, got a little momentum just like Creighton pulled out of their tailspin of losing six in a row and went from Creighton is one of the bigger disappointments in college basketball this year to Creighton just missing the top 16 seed uh, in the NCAA tournament bracket reveal from a couple of uh, weeks ago. They were one of the teams that just missed the cut from being a four seed. So there's always that balance of the ups and the downs of the season and balancing perspective throughout try to not get too high try to not get too low depending on you know the situation so with with prefacing everything with that thought and while everything is obviously relative to your program and your expectation and your situation I think it's fair to say that last week for creighton the Marquette game and the Villanova game last week for Creighton felt like a downer didn't it like, given the two paths that were in front of Creighton in the moment, at the beginning of last week, got Marquette coming to town, then he's going to Villanova. Given the two paths that were in front of Creighton in the moment, last week was, was unfortunate, right? You had one path where Creighton had a, a big chance with Marquette in town to seize control of the Big East season race, get a big win, maybe their biggest win of the season, and put yourself where the arrow was trending up towards a, heck, maybe a four seed or even better if you kept it rolling, and then you could have followed that win up over Marquette with a nice road win over a surging Villanova team. Ho oh, oh, ho look out. That was one path. Instead, Creighton went down the other path where Creighton loses both games, they blow a 12-point lead at home to Marquette, and then get... Thoroughly dominated on the road by Villanova. That that was... Uh, I was on the call for that game on Fox. I was in Philly. I was courtside. I had a headset on with Tim Brando on Fox. I honestly never felt like Creighton was going to win that game the entire time from the jump ball. From the moment that game was tipped up, I just never felt like Creighton was going to win the game. Didn't have enough juice. Just didn't. Just never felt like they were going to win. And now... Creighton finds themselves, A, out of the Big East title race, B, looking at two games this week to wrap up the regular season to, that don't help your NCAA tournament resume at all. These are you know, two games where they're kind of, quote, everything to lose and nothing to gain games, where you got at home uh, against Georgetown on Wednesday and then at DePaul on Saturday night, where you got everything to lose and nothing to gain from a resume standpoint. I mean, both would be quad four bad losses. And C, you're staring down the barrel of potentially facing UConn in the opening round of the Big East Tournament in Madison Square Garden in that 4-5 game, or maybe even seeing Villanova again in that 3-6 game, assuming you know things play out how I kind of maybe think they will. And then D, lacking a little momentum as the calendar now turns to March. Ugh, right? where Creighton could have been in the driver's seat to win the Big East regular season crown, tons of momentum, maybe would have been ranked inside the top 15 this week and a projected four or five seed with the arrow trending up from there. Instead, it's the other way. Just saw the AP poll come out. Creighton's unranked. Just saw one bracketology that had Creighton as a seven seed, seen him as a six seed. Now, let me be clear. I don't want to paint a total doom and gloom picture for, for Creighton. You know, the Jays certainly aren't in a bad spot here. And let, let's, let's have some uh, per, a perspective pill here. There are about 90% of teams in college basketball that would die to be in Creighton's position right now. And for example, and I'll, I'll expand on this at the end of the pod, you know, Nebraska and Nebraska fans are flying high. They're on the NIT bubble. Creighton is hovering around a five or a six seed for the NCAA tournament. So again, everything is relative. So you don't want to lose perspective here if you're a fan of the Creighton Blue Jays. But I guess what I'm, what I'm saying is last week just didn't go well for Creighton. You had a great opportunity to really catch a wave of positive momentum, boost your NCAA tournament resume in a big-time fashion. You could have even positioned yourself to move up a seed line. And he just overall didn't play well last week. Like, of the three three of the four halves of basketball that were played last week by Creighton, two halves against Marquette, two halves against Villanova, Creighton didn't play very good in three of the four halves. Outside of the first half against Marquette, didn't play good in the second half against Marquette, and I don't think played very well at all in both halves for 40 minutes at Nova. Now, to be fair... Basketball is a game of matchups. And, you know, in a lot of ways, Marquette and Villanova are the types of teams that are bad matchups for Creighton. Like, people sometimes ask me, you know, what teams give Creighton problems? Well, one of the first things I say is uh, teams with a five man that can shoot are a problem for Creighton. Because Kalkbrenner, they want to, you know, Creighton wants to plant Kalkbrenner in the middle of the lane. They don't want him to come out. They play drop coverage. So you can pick and pop, and if your five-man can hover around the three-point line and knock down threes, that's, that's not ideal. Well, Eric Dixon had a huge game from the three-point line for Villanova. One illustration of a bad matchup. I also think teams that switch a lot of screens and then pressure the ball are problematic for Creighton. When you, when you switch screens, especially on-ball screens... It kind of kills a lot of your set plays, which is what Creighton relies a good amount on, especially when they get you know in the half court. It forces Creighton to be more of a one-on-one driving team when that's not really who they want to be or who they are. It really hurts your pick-and-roll game, especially your pick-and-roll lob-to-the-rim game. I mean, uh, think right now to yourself. How many pick-and-roll lobs did Nemhard and Kalkbrenner get in last week's games in Marquette and Villanova? I can think of one, and it was because Cam Whitmore went for a steal and didn't get it, and then created a scramble situation, so it wasn't even really pick and roll lob. So I guess I, I maybe I'm forgetting. I can't really think of one. I mean, that's a staple in Creighton's offense. It's a huge part of how Kalkbrenner gets it rolling. So you know, it forces switching hurts Creighton, where it takes away a lot of the the sets and the pick and rolls and. You know, If you allow it to, it can make it hard to get conventional post-ups for Kalkbrenner, which which hurts. That's a big part of Creighton's offense. Now, I will say this. I also think, and pardon my French here, I also think Creighton needed to man the fuck up last week, handle switches, and punish these tiny dudes for guarding on one in the post. Come on, man. Handle the switch. Cam Jones is on Kalkbrenner. Throw it into Cam, throw it into Calkbrenner and dunk on Cam Jones. Come on, man. Mark Armstrong has switched on to Calkbrenner. Throw it into him. Handle the ball in the perimeter. Throw it into him. Calkbrenner, beast that little dude and punch on him. Like sometimes, sometimes I, there are times where I feel like Creighton sometimes thinks the solution is like a, a set or like, well, maybe this is great. No, man, the f- up. Handle the ball. If you get a switch and you get a mouse in the house, meaning a little dude on Kalkbrenner, beast that, that dude and dunk on him. So I also think Creighton needed to channel a little bit of that. That If I'd have been a coach, I'd have been like, listen guys, here's the thing. I can sit here and I can maybe pull up my dry erase board and we can drop some fancy thing. But a lot of this is grow a f***ing pair, handle the pressure, Kalkbrenner, beast that mother in the post, and dunk on him. Period. Okay, sorry for that tangent, I got a little worked up. But my point is, Marquette and Nova are built in a way that isn't an ideal matchup for Creighton. But back to my my original point here. I am a believer in momentum in March. I really am. Now, it's not impossible, but in my opinion, very rarely does a team, you know, limp into March or, or struggle heading into March and then go on to make an NCAA tournament run. The NickBot Podcast is powered by Runza and the cold winter months. It's officially here. And as a warm weather lover myself, the cold can kind of bum me out. But the one thing that always puts a huge smile on my face when it gets cold, temperature Tuesdays at Runza. Yes, it's that time of the year. Temperature Tuesdays are back at Runza, where every Tuesday in January and February, the 6 a.m. temperature at the coldest Runza location is the price you'll pay for an original Runza sandwich when you buy a medium fry and medium drink. Think about it. An original Runza sandwich might be 10 cents, a dime, might be a nickel, might be a quarter. Heck, it might even be one penny. Just one penny. So make sure you take advantage of this incredible deal every single Tuesday at Runza where the temp at 6 a.m. in Runza land is the price you pay for an original Runza sandwich and you buy a medium fried, a medium drink. It's back, baby. Temperature Tuesdays. Runza makes it all better. N- n- th- listen, that's not to say Creighton is limping right now. They certainly aren't. But last week, Marquette Nova was certainly a little bit of a stumble for the Blue Jays. Didn't think they played well. They lost both games. Especially against, you know, I mean, Marquette, Marquette, against Marquette in the second half, Marquette thoroughly smacked Creighton. And then Nova thoroughly dominated Creighton. So Creighton needs to find a little bit of mojo here over the next two weeks, collectively and individually. That's what I think this stretch is about. Creighton needs to beat Georgetown and, De- and DePaul convincingly. And then Creighton needs to go win at least one game in the Big East tournament. But beyond all of that, Creighton just needs to play well. Like, sure, you want to see wins. And I still think Creighton could win the Big East tournament. No doubt about it. Greg McDermott's been to the Big East finals four times. like, And this team's capable of doing that. I still think Creighton could make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. No doubt about it. But I guess what I am saying is, in a lot of ways, that process starts now. It's time. Like I just said, I'm looking at the calendar. It's February 27th. In two days, it is March. It's time. So I want to see Creighton play well as a team for these last two weeks heading into the NCAA tournament. And then I want to see individual guys you know, start to play better. You know, Shireman and Farabello, they got to start making shots. I didn't like that. I thought in the, as that Villanova game progressed, both guys were turning down some open threes. I'm like, oh man, as a shooter, when you start turning down threes, that's that's not good. Now, I mean, I don't know how many times I got to say this, but Farabello is getting wide open shots. Like you, you, at some point, he's got to start making them. You're getting wide open shots. got to make them. And then Baylor Shireman needs to get out of his three-point shooting funk. He's eight of 30, 37 from three over his last five games. Eight for 37. he He's in a funk right now. And Creighton really needs Shireman to get rolling. Right? And I guess I'll just stop there. Like, I'll, I'll pose this question to, to people. Like, who right now is really playing well for Creighton? Like... Kalkbrenner, he's been solid. He's been okay. Certainly hasn't been bad, but Creighton needs him to be a force of nature. Creighton needs Kalkbrenner to be like an all-American caliber dude defending the rim and scoring at the rim. Arthur Kaluma, he's been struggling, but played well at Villanova, which is good. Trey Alexander hasn't been in double figures for three straight games. Ryan Nemhard, that Villanova game, maybe had his least impactful game of the year. He only scored two points, and he also turned it over six times against Marquette. So I could go on and on, but you get the point. I mean, those are your your headline guys. I mean, I feel like Reef is playing well. Sharif Mitchell's the only guy that I'd be like, yeah, Reef's playing well. But again, like, playing well for Sharif is, you know, there's just a, there's a, what what kind of results does that really yield? Like six points and... 10 minutes, you know, like. So, you know, Creighton's got to find that spark here collectively and individually, right? But we've got to, as I keep on like, you know, I'm like schizophrenic here. Again, perspective like this is the dog days of the season. The conference play grind is real. Teams know you inside and out. Marquette and Villanova are bad matchups. Marquette's a real team this year, man. Villanova, in my opinion, they are a nightmare right now, given the fact that Justin Moore is back fully healthy and rolling. I'm telling you right now, Villanova's a team that could go out of the, be in the play-in game at the Big East tournament and win it, win the Big East tournament. So again, perspective. But I just want to see Creighton start to play well. March, like I said, it's two days away. It's time. This is it. This is what this team has been waiting for. It's time to get it rolling. Momentum in March, in my opinion, is a real thing. Like I think back to last year, Creighton beat UConn in a war of a game. In the second to last regular season game last year. And then lost to Seton Hall in the finale, but played well. And then we know what they did in, in the Big East tournament. They go out there and hammer Marquette, blow their doors off. Then hammer Providence, the Big East regular season champs in the semifinals. And then go toe-to-toe with Villanova and almost beat Final Four Villanova in the Big East Championship game at Madison Square Garden. So, yeah, then they went into the insane tournament and beat San Diego State. They had a little mojo and then gave Kansas the eventual national champs all they could handle. Why? they st- I think they started to build a little mojo and a little momentum. Got to get that, that momentum train rolling. It starts Wednesday against Georgetown. Let me shift gears to Nebraska basketball. Uh, because... Yeah, their their momentum train keeps rolling forward after picking up another win over Minnesota uh in Lincoln over the weekend. So Nebraska, it's just amazing. They're five and one in their last six games, and they're uh, squarely in NIT projections now, right? It's it's funny. I was talking with someone last night, and we got onto the topic of Nebraska basketball, and this person who I was talking to, they kind of cynically just posed the thought of, you know, this person was like, Nick, it's kind of funny. Everyone's all excited right now, but this team still isn't very good. And my rebuttal was like, well, okay, at least for me on a simple level, I'm excited and enjoying Nebraska basketball right now because I enjoy watching this team play and they're a likable group. And I couldn't say that about Fred Hoiberg's teams the last couple of years, in particular last year's team. I didn't enjoy watching last year's teams play. And you know because of all that, they just weren't an overly likable bunch. But this year's team is different than that. And, you know, me and I mean, this, we went back and forth a little bit about Nebraska basketball and the team and stuff. But that, that conversation kind of got the wheels going in my head for Nebraska basketball, the situation, the moment in time, everything that's going on around the program. Because it's been a really, really fascinating last month and a half for Nebraska basketball. And I I have a couple of thoughts. I mean, I think the first thing is just kind of like analyzing the the state of the fan base, how they're digesting all of this stuff. I think, number one, everyone likes a underdog scrappy bunch. That is this team. Sam Hoyberg, freaking coach's kid, walk on. He's out there making game-winning plays. Keisei Tominaga, barely six feet tall, baby face dude from Japan, is lighting Big Ten teams up for 30. I also think the Sam Greasel factor is real for people. The Lincoln native is easy to root for and has provided a unique experience for, I think, people that absorb Nebraska basketball. Because I was really thinking about this. He's kind of the first nebraska basketball player in a long time who truly seems to deeply care about nebraska basketball like and is willing to say that out loud really i'm trying to rack my brain who is the last nebraska basketball player that spoke about the program not about themselves or the team or the moment but like spoke about the program as a whole and it's love and, and for the program and, and wanting to see it get up and 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 be viewed in a certain light and all that stuff. Like Greasel to me is the only guy I can think of on the top of my head that that talks like that. Now that's not to say others didn't care, but it just feels like Greasel cares on a deeper level. So that provides a unique perspective and and player to watch and absorb if you're a Husker fan. You're like, damn, this guy really loves Nebraska basketball. Which, let's be honest, there hasn't been a lot to love about Nebraska basketball over the course of its existence, you know? Like, I mean, hasn't won an NCAA tournament game, you know? It's kind of been like, it's it's been an afterthought. So Greasel's been, it's been interesting to uh, watch that and absorb that. Even dudes like I mean, du- du- you know the whole scrappy bunch, all stuff. Dude like a Bla- uh, dude like Blaze Cada, you know, even if that guy plays three minutes, he's gonna give you everything he's got for three minutes. He's gonna like wreck his body for three minutes, chasing down two offensive rebounds and taking a charge, and then like that. But that's like people appreciate that, fans enjoy that. I also think, and then I'll get to my big thought here. I think generally speaking, a part of the fun of sports sometimes can be viewing a team overcome adversity and succeed. Like when you can watch a group overcome, get dealt a tough hand and then watch them overcome it and have success, That that is rewarding for a fan. And this team has done that, right? Two key injuries, Bantamil Gary, and they've retooled, brought it back, band together, and they found a way to win. But this was the main thing I was really thinking about as my wheels were turning thinking about Nebraska basketball after the conversation I had last night with a, with a buddy. I think there's also a psychological component to the fans right now and what they've endured with football and in particular the Frost era of football that is factoring in to this like outpour of excitement for Nebraska basketball. This fan base, talking to Nebraska basketball fans, Nebraska football fans, obviously it's a largely the same pool of people. This fan base is clearly dying for something positive on the court, on the field, for their teams. Again, I'm just talking football and basketball here. I think this is an enormous factor with the reaction from the fan base right now. Because it's is—it's pretty remarkable to think about what your experience the last handful of years have been like if you are a Husker football and Husker basketball fan. Think about your experience. Frost era, colossal train wreck, no bowl games over the course of the last six years, Arguably, the worst team in the Big Ten for the last couple of seasons. Same thing with hoops. Nebraska basketball has arguably not just been the worst team in the Big Ten, but you could make the case that the last three years, Nebraska basketball has been the worst power conference team in all of college basketball. No bowl games, no postseasons. Just think, it's... 12 football games a year, and then let's call it, you know, 35 basketball games a year. So that's a combined 45 to 50 games a year over the last three years, where more often than not, the game was going to end in a Nebraska loss and a kick right in the nuts, either from a blowout or from a football standpoint, a how the hell did they lose that game sort of loss. Lots of fans have been living in that world for the last three years. And so I think like a cold Gatorade on a hot summer afternoon, it's just so damn refreshing and needed for the fans to see a team wearing Nebraska uniforms, wearing Nebraska across their chest, actually go out and win. I really believe that the football, I really think the football element factors into all of this. The Dick Bob podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. And I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go into Pella's website right now, you look at it. And how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors. for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. I really think the overall combination of football and basketball struggles – over the last three years, factor into how the fans are reacting to this run from Nebraska basketball right now. Again, this fan base has just been dying for something positive. And I'm talking tangibly, actually really positive to happen in a game versus other Big Ten teams. And not the kind of thing that we've all been guilty of, none more than me with football, but not the kind of thing that you have to do some serious mental gymnastics and rationalizing and massaging of the results to find something positive with the program. Now, this is mainly a football thing, but boy, did we all work hard for really the last three years to find a way to feel good or positive or optimistic about going 3-9 and nine or going 4-8. and eight. We all really had to massage the results of the game to land in a positive, optimistic place. And that is also what's so nice about this Nebraska basketball situation over the last month and a half, is that you don't have to do any of that. Over the last six games, Nebraska has won five of them. They are winning games against teams that are going to be in the NCAA tournament. They beat Maryland. They beat Rutgers. They beat Penn State. They beat Minnesota. They beat Wisconsin. Those games tipped up, and the game ended, and Nebraska scored more points than the other team. Nebraska won. You don't need to massage the results to try to arrive at a positive place for optimism or anything like that. And I think that is really refreshing for people. I think a lot of people, me included, were tired of trying to Look at a loss and go. All right, okay. You know, I guess you know if you look at it, you know the defense was actually pretty good today. And you know if that one interception doesn't happen and and you know they get off to a little bit better start, like that's positive that they finished the third quarter strong and you know, like. And I listen. I my hands up. Bo Rude and I did that every freaking Sunday on these recap pods. Like we all were, we all were trying to do that. You know, it was like a defense mechanism to protect our own brains. Of like, all right, well, how are we going to look at this and try to land in a positive, optimistic place? And it, that that gets exhausting, does it not? That's right. I I think by the end of the Frost era, everyone was just tired of 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 trying to massage and rationalize a loss. Not to say that there isn't some silver linings and positive things from losing, right? You can play well and lose, just like you can play good, or you play bad and win. Like, But I think a lot of people were tired of that. So I think all of that really matters in this moment too. In terms of trying to capture, what is it about the the... The moment in time for Nebraska fans, as they're absorbing Nebraska basketball, going five and one in their last six games, and getting in a position where they could make the NIT. Why is everyone so excited? I, I think the I actually think the football pain of the last handful of years has. Created a scenario where, ma- and, and, and the basketball as well has created a scenario where you have a fan base dying for just, oh, God, they won. Great. This is awesome. I'm going to bask in this right now. So I really think there's that as well the, in terms of the, the psychological component to this. I also think, and I talked about this after the Maryland game, I also f- it's also fun to feel like you are seeing in real time a foundation being laid a standard potentially being forged. And I get it. Derek Walker, Sam Greasel, Bandamel, they're all gone, and maybe Tomanaga too, who knows. But I think there is something happening that has a chance to stick even after those players depart. You got to keep on building on it, and they got to continue to invest in it. But I think that is also exciting for the fans too. So that is how I'd kind of capture – you know, the moment for why Husker fans are all excited about a, a rally hot run to potentially just make the NIT. Because when you do frame it like that, so wait, the fans are the fans are all excited that a team is getting hot to just maybe eke into the NIT? It sounds a little weird when you frame it like that. But again, every situation is different. Relative to the program expectations and the hand that was dealt, with this season and how it's played out, yes, fans are really excited right now for Nebraska, and they should be. Last thought, just listen to the tone of the way I discuss these two college basketball programs on this podcast over the last you know however long uh, 30 minutes here. <laughs> think about how I have the tone and the manner and the content and everything and the way I discuss Creighton and then the tone and the manner and the vibe and the way I discuss Nebraska. Just on this podcast from one person, me, this is a perfect example of the price you pay for expectations. And being an established, great college basketball program. One team is fighting to just get in the NIT, and the fans are pumped. The other team is a lock to make the NCAA tournament and could easily make a Sweet 16 Elite Eight run. But they didn't play well last week. They lost out on winning the Big East regular season crown, so some fans are a little anxious and frustrated. Pretty, pretty remarkable, right? The price you pay for expectations the price you pay for establishing a standard of play and a standard of winning i just i found it interesting to contrast the 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 two fan bases and the two tones right now you know And I get it with the two fan bases. Of course, they are rivals. They're going back and forth, right? And Nebraska's puffing out their chest right now because not only because they've won five of their last six games, but also because Nebraska beat Creighton in Omaha. But it is kind of funny to look at both situations and go, okay, one fan base is searching NIT projections and elated to see their name. The other is searching NCAA projections and frustrated to not see their name as a four seed. You know what I mean? It's just kind of fascinating. I get it. And I saw it firsthand last week. Like, I got to, like, experience it last week, you know, you know, 10 days ago or whatever it was. I, I was on the call for FS1 for Maryland at Nebraska inside Pinnacle Bank Arena, headset on, crowd was electric for a team fighting to make the NIT and stay out of the play-in games at their Big Ten Conference Tournament. And then I was also on the call, headset on, courtside, on FS1 for Marquette at Creighton, where the crowd was electric for a team that is fighting to be a four-seed in the NCAA tournament maybe and win the Big East regular season crowd. Right? Packed arenas totally juiced up with two vastly different situations at hand. Just interesting to say out loud. Now, again, I think we all get it. We all understand it. But sometimes I, I, it's the old cowherd line that I've, I've stolen. It's like, sometimes you got to say it out loud. It is kind of interesting to just say those things out loud. Because like I said, I am tot- I totally get where the Nebraska fans are coming from on a variety of levels. And I'm right there with them, man. I'm right there with them. Every situation is different. I get why Nebraska fans are pumped right now. And a part of me also gets if Creighton fans are a little anxious and frustrated right now that they let a great opportunity last week slip away and, and they just didn't play very well. I get it. So just food for thought. Big game for Nebraska hosting Michigan State. I think Nebraska can 100% absolutely win that game. You're going to get a pissed off Michigan State team that they blew that double-digit lead in the final 90 seconds against Iowa. But still, I think Nebraska can absolutely win that day. But game. But you also do got to remember this. Nebraska's margin for error is beyond razor thin they got to be locked in if they let it slip at all if they're not completely juiced up locked in flying around connected playing with purpose covering up for each other fighting like hell for every rebound like they've been like if they if they let it slip at all it's it's not going to go well but if you know beat michigan state and then nebraska wins one more game after that either iowa on the road in the regular season or a game in the big 10 tournament i think nebraska's nit bound which is exciting Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. That is exciting. And for Creighton, like I laid out, got to start building that momentum back up for March. It is time. You got Georgetown and DePaul to wrap up the regular season. By the way, I'll be on the call for that Georgetown game Wednesday evening, CHI Health Center, FS1. Yours truly, Kevin Kugler on the call. So I'm really excited to see how Creighton responds and looks. Again, I still like this team. I still believe in this team. But it's time. It's go time. It's March, which means if you're Creighton, it's time to dance, baby. It's time to dance. A Heard at Sports Network production.